0: ministry in the church can be life-giving and life-changing and in the midst of it we all need faithful companions along the road. Welcome to Along the Road, a podcast on faith and leadership for ministry leaders of the PCUSA. So you're a church leader serving as a ruling elder or a deacon but you also have almost a dozen other roles. Sibling, parent, friend, biker, Landscape architect, chauffeur, builder, grocer, fill in the blank. Come join us in the midst of your day, wherever you are, to be inspired in your role in the church, become nourished, and renew your call. Formation as a leader doesn't happen all at once. So let's walk along this road together. I'm Martha Miller, and I'm excited to travel on this journey with you. Today, we're blessed to have Shawnee McElwain with us. Shawnee is a ruling elder in Washington, D.C., and serves as moderator of National Capital Presbytery. We're glad to have you with us, Shawnee. Thank you, Martha. I'm glad to be here. As we've identified, Shawnee, you're a ruling elder, but you also have many other roles. What do you think would be helpful for our listeners to know about you?
1: Oh, that's a great question. I am a ruling elder with a heart for people and a love for Jesus. I am a mom of four humans and two cats, (laughs) one that doesn't like me, but uh, an only child, which I think draws me into community a little bit more Mm -hmm. um, intentional because I can remember just as being a child. Every time I met a new person. They were my friend instantly. And I remember my grandmother says, everybody is not your friend. <laughs> <laughs> like just, like not in a not in a way of a uh, more of like a protective way. Like you mm-hmm. don't trust everybody, right? Mm-hmm. Like but right. everybody right. was my right. friend. Right. Yeah. While many of our listeners
0: serve within local congregations, many may not have had an opportunity or a chance to connect with another council of the church. What can you tell us about how you got connected to the presbytery?
1: Oh, that's a great question. So I wrote a book about eight years ago called Sharing My Mess, 90 Days of of Prayer and Spiritual Intimacy with God. Mm. And that book did not actually take me into Presbyterian circles. It actually took me to evangelical circles, Southern Baptist. Like I was all over at the time I would call it pre uh, speaking. Cause I was scared to call myself a preacher. <laughs> um, and so I was like, I'm just speaking. And then I had a friend said, doesn't really sound like a speech it sounds more like a sermon. <laughs> and so, and I was like, no, that's not what it is. And we had a parish associate at Faith who was like a connector, a networker, a connector. And she said one day she was, we became friends, and she said she was leading a a woman's retreat with another congregation. And I said, I want to lead retreats. Mm. And she said, Well, you got to get yourself out there. And I was like, Well, I don't know how to do that because. My book isn't Presbyterian. And she looked at me because she had been using my book as a Bible study at her mm-hmm. former mm-hmm. church. And I said, and I said, it's not, it's not, you know, it's it's very elementary. It's not for it's not for a, a high degree person. Mm-hmm. It's not for and I was really, you know, she was so angry with me because <laughs> I was dumbing myself down a bit and it really fired her up. And then she said. the first thing you need to do is an open space and that was at the time um, when we were before of course before covid um before presbytery meetings we would have open spaces anybody Mm -hmm. could do an open space you could talk about anything and it was just a way to i guess Connect your mission to a wider audience mm-hmm. um, before you know before the stated meeting. Now at the time, I was not an elder; I was a deacon at the time, and mm-hmm. so. But she said I could still do the open space. I didn't have to be an, a ruling elder. Right, right. And That's I, important. I, yeah, and I and I did, and so I signed up and I did an open space about my book, and like twelve pastors were in the room, oh. and I was like, "What is happening right now?" not only a few of them had already read my book because they were connected somewhat how to my pastor but it was just this beautiful conversation of vulnerability and transformation mm-hmm. and it really opened up the door then people started to know who i was you'd be surprised what plant seeds <laughs> right
0: well, and and I love one of the parts of your story in that you were surprised that pastors were willing to listen to you and your story. And I think yes. that says, that can say a lot to all of us that we all have unique gifts, we all have unique stories, and we have things to share no matter who we are.
1: Right. Um, yeah, I I love that. Right. And I think that's one of the, you know, I grew up United Methodist. I tell this beautiful joke every time I preach at a new church. I became Presbyterian through marriage. I'm no longer married, but I'm still Presbyterian, right? Mm-hmm. And one. Mm-hmm i love about being presbyterian and what i love about the church just in general for all of its the things that we want to fix and change the idea that i can question and search the scripture and go to someone who i think would have quote unquote more knowledge and expertise than me and every single pastor or or de- or seminarian will say, well, what does the scripture say? What does it say to you? Mm. And I never had that um, even in home um, mm-hmm. with a Baptist grandmother and a, a Methodist grandfather. It was more so about you. You hear the word, you listen to the pastor, and whatever that pastor says is what it is, right? Mm-hmm. But to have the to to be able to like really search my heart and question the 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 text in this beautiful way is so transforming and liberating that i mean i i love the church Yeah,
0: yeah, I, I really do. <laughs> yeah, I love that, and I love that our previous nourish episode also touches on that fact, but from a pastor's perspective, of mm-hmm. lifting up the ways that other church leaders serve, and the fact that the pastor isn't the only one who can do that study and that deep dive, and yeah. and how our our call really really drives us there. So. I know uh, you've told us a little bit about how you got connected to the Presbytery, but now you serve as the moderator of the Presbytery, <laughs> yes. and I can assume that some of the folks who are listening to us talk today may not be very familiar with what the moderator does. Can you say a little bit about the function
1: or role of a moderator of the Presbytery? Yes, Yes, and I didn't know either when I said yes, all of the things. (laughs) Um, But uh, so at the very minimum, we moderate the stated meetings of the presbytery. Um, So here in National Capital, we have six stated meetings a year, and I moderate those along with our vice moderator and stated clerk. And I also um, install pastors and associate pastors into their respective calls around um, our presbytery. I have have counted since even being vice moderator and now moderator, my term ends in September. I've installed over about about 18 um, pastors. And and that is probably my favorite part of, Mm -hmm. of the job. Just seeing just number one, I love church. So going to a church service that is Uh, you know, crafted and uniquely designed for that particular pastor. I remember my second installation, the pastor had a jazz band because they felt the call to ministry while Mm -hmm. serving in new orleans and so jazz music was important to her so i thought that was pretty cool right Mm -hmm. um and then all the way to like just recently i installed a uh an associate pastor who just happened to have not only her installation commission was all women but the head of staff is also a woman so when she had to preach she had to preach at the church and then they had to vote her as associate her nine-year-old says can boys become pastors? (laughs) And I just thought that was the cutest thing because how Mm -hmm. we've changed so much, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. Can can, can girls become pastors, right? Right. Now, like, you know, to see, you know, because I think it's so important to have, that diversity and representation because our kids are watching mm-hmm. and wondering what they can become, right? right. And if they yep. don't see it, they don't, they wouldn't know, right? And mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. Um, I have enjoyed um, just meeting, going around and meeting people. And then also then, because when you do hold a certain title, you do get invited to preach, and so that's always fun too. Now, I didn't always used to say preaching was fun, but it really is because i get to meet different congregations and see how people do their worship because it's all different especially mm-hmm. coming out of covid right 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 um, so so as
0: someone who serves as a ruling elder and as a deacon um can you expand upon that a little bit more about your how you feel about your call to preach and what that means for you
1: yeah Yes. Like I said, early on, I never looked at myself as a preacher. And then people started calling me a preacher. <laughs> and, I, and so I just humbly took the title. But I always, every time it's time for me to preach, I get nervous, which according to my pastor, she says it's a good thing. Right. And The day that I am no longer nervous, I need to stop. <laughs> that, that when I realize when I think I can do it without the Holy Spirit and God's mm-hmm. help that is the day I need to you know do something else and so amen yep <laughs> but it is it has really helped me in so many ways to form my faith and my spiritual formation to go deeper into the text to find one of the things I say about my personality is like I need the whole story <laughs> so and it's nothing but story in the bible and to find out like to be intentional and to go deep dive and find out what was happening like why would paul say that or why you know what was going on in that time period that god would command that and so i have enjoyed just getting to know the bible for myself really. Mm -hmm. Oh,
0: that's great. Your enthusiasm is very contagious. I think we can all hear it in your voice as well. (laughs) And so what might you say to other deacons and ruling elders who might be feeling a call to strengthen those gifts for ministry? What is their advice or things that you might
1: say to them? Yeah. The first thing I would say is that God qualifies the called. And I say that because a lot of times we think, well, we didn't go to seminary or we're not the pastor that we don't think that we can do certain things. Right. Mm-hmm. But if, if the Holy Spirit is prompting you to do something to step out on faith, then do that. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I. Um, taught a leadership training within our presbytery early, earlier this year. And one of the things I told the elders and the deacons in that class was we look at churches, especially here in this area in, in, uh, Washington DC. There are so many churches, um, that you see the big billboards. They're doing all of these things. Right. And you wonder, well, they can do that because the, it's a thousand people that go to that church or it's 500 mm-hmm. people that go to that church. That can very well be true and also not true. I know people that go to mega churches and even with a thousand members, there are still only a handful of people that do all the work. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so with that being said, one of the things that I uh, typically encourage people to do is that ministries, church ministries are started generally not by pastors, but by members that sit in the pews that Mm -hmm. had a vision, Mm -hmm. right? A member wanted to start a clothing drive because they had an experience with either maybe not having clothes growing up or what whatever their story is, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Or maybe they started the food pantry not just because the Bible says feed my sheep, but because there's a personal story of food insecurity and a, and a member started that food pantry that's now 20 years old. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I mm-hmm. think ministries start by the, the love and the heart of its congregation. And then it just builds. So you say that like, I have this infectious energy. We've got to tell our story so people can love what we love. And, and, and say, Oh, I want to do that too. Right. Mm -hmm. Or I want to help with that. I always tell, I, I tell this story about when I first started at, you know, I was, I was very new in leadership at my church. The pastor wanted to serve soup on the corner. We, our church is located on a very busy corner in our neighborhood. And I have to be honest, Martha, I'm, I was, I don't really like soup. And then and I was just like, mm-hmm. and then I and then the Holy Spirit was like, how are you gonna bring people when you look so sad? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. It's just like singing on a choir and you sing with a sour face. Like how are you singing the good news and you look so sad? Like this little light of mine, but your face all scrunched up, right? <laughs> so, I, you know, so the Holy Spirit convicted me. But this, the one particular Saturday, I handed a gentleman a track, and I offered him prayer. And he said that he would, he did want me to pray for him. And I prayed for him. And a few months later, I saw him at my local grocery store. And he said, You, the lady that gave me soup and prayed with me a few months back. And I'm looking around. He said, I'm talking to you. Oh, he said, man, I hadn't had homemade soup like that since my grandmother was living. Mm. And then he says, and that prayer changed my life. And this is from someone who did not like to pray out loud, Martha. Mm -hmm. I was not, I I wasn't, I was the girl who would pray for you, not with you. Mm-hmm. Until I, I became Presbyterian, but the night my daughter passed away from SIDS, my husband at the time called his Sunday school teacher. He hadn't talked to her in 20 years. Mm. And she prayed with me that night. Mm. And I've never left that church since. Wow. Who was also an elder. Mm. And so when I think about elders and leaders in the church, I think about that elder. That changed my whole spiritual journey. I think about that man in that grocery store, mm-hmm. and, and that's Im- why we're here.
0: Yeah, the and the <laughs> impact that that we can have on each other and and on on our community and absolutely. Wow, that's great. Well, thank you for sharing um, those pieces, especially you know those pieces that really are close to your heart. And I appreciate you being willing to to share those with us. God has provided each of us with many gifts as a part of claiming and strengthening those gifts. We've responded to the call to serve as church leaders The church is a better collection of God's people because of that response. And today, I'm particularly thankful for you and for your service, Shawnee, and again, for sharing with us today. You have some great stories, and I think we could probably keep talking, and I would would love to hear more. But today, I'm going to say thank you for sharing with us what you have, and I'm thankful that you've been with us on the podcast today.
1: Absolutely. Thank you for the invitation, Martha. It was so great to speak with you.
0: We hope that you have been nourished through this episode of Along the Road. You're invited to visit the website for PCUSA Leader Formation for additional nourishment for ruling elders and deacons. PCUSA.org slash leader dash formation. This has been the Along the Road podcast. We look forward to crossing paths with you
1: again soon.